woman. Praise God. I want to remind you of something that the Lord spoke to me in October of 2022 and um, keep it before our eyes because it is something that is vital for our lives. The Lord um, spoke to me specifically uh, on October the 9th and he said we are entering into a season that will require the word, the walk of faith. We are entering a season that will require the walk of faith, another depth of skill in walking in the spirit. And it is as if he gave insight into what the walk of faith contains or pertains to. The walk of faith includes having another depth of skill in walking in the spirit. And then he gave me five things that we need to work on for this skill in walking in the spirit, this walk of faith. He said, first of all, know my leading with a certainty. Know my leading with a certainty. There are many things that the enemy has planned that will never even have an opportunity to land in your life if you'll follow the leading of the Lord. And not just, is that God, is that me? No, we want to be so familiar with how he leads us. We want to be so confident in the way the Holy Spirit leads us that it doesn't take him two days to talk us into acting on it. That the moment he prompts us, we are so familiar with his touch on our heart, so familiar with his, his voice or his prompting that we immediately respond. Amen? So he said, know the leading with a certainty. The second thing that he said was practice obedience. Practice obedience. Well... Of course, that would include don't disobey God. <laughs> but there's more to practicing obedience than just not being disobedient because there are people who love God and yet would say, you know, the Lord told me to do that two years ago, but I haven't done it. You'd be surprised how many people, when I tell them, when they find out that I can speak in Spanish, they say, you know, the Lord dealt with me to learn Spanish. <laughs> I hear nervous laughter all across the room, right? The Lord dealt with me to do that. And, and well, this is the year for you to practice obedience. Amen? Just do it. Just, Nike shouldn't have the corner on that saying. That should be the believer's saying right there. Just do it. When God speaks to you, when he tells you to do something, act on it. Obey. And so practice obedience. Um, the third thing that he said was develop humility and the love walk. They need to be developed no matter what stage or, or level you are in humility or in the walk of love, you can grow. We can all come up to a greater proficiency 
in the walk of love and in, and in the humility in our life. And so we've spent some time on that humility. Uh, the third, fourth thing that he said was the fruit of the spirit is vital. The fruit of the spirit is vital. And the word vital is a word that we use if we were going to say, I'm getting your vital signs. You're, you're getting all of the evidences of the condition of that person's life. So it's taught, the word vital is talking about life. And so he says the fruit of the Spirit is vital. And then last, he said the trust in God, his ways, and his words, his word, they are safeguards. Trusting in God and trusting in his ways and trusting in his word those will keep you safe. They're safeguards. And so we, we're endeavoring. This is a, a pretty extensive list. And you can't just fit all that you need to know about any of those into one sermon. <laughs> it's something that we're going to be spending some time in. We're going to be focusing on. We're going to be touching it and then coming back and dealing with it some more when we have that when the Holy Spirit gives us the time together that we can deal with things like we did over humility we were able to go over a lot of different aspects with that tonight I want to just do one of those we're going to touch on it and then I'm going to come back to it later because we have a different assignment for this weekend with this being vision Sunday the first of the year we want to start it off with our vision intact so tonight I'm going to touch on this practicing obedience. So the title tonight, if you need a title, is The Blessing If You Obey. The Blessing If You Obey. And I want to look at obedience in uh, the Bible and just maybe give us a big panoramic view of obedience and how you'll find it from Genesis to Revelation uh, the first thing that I want to look at, though, is Romans chapter 8. And I want to identify an enemy to obedience, and it is the self. Romans chapter 8, we'll read verses 5 through 8. It says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things, you could say, they mind the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity or contrary to God, enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. You know, one of the greatest attributes of the flesh is selfishness. If you wanted to really pinpoint a, a symptom of the flesh, selfishness is the one to look for because the flesh is all about itself. <laughs> and so although we all have flesh, none of us are obligated to obey it, <laughs> to give it place, to, to cater to it. As a matter of fact, the scripture says we're supposed to crucify it daily. <laughs> Not just once, just every day. Just go ahead and put it in its place, right? 
And so that selfishness, if we learn to see the selfishness in the activity of the flesh, it helps us recognize when it's the flesh trying to have an uprising, an upheaval in your life. So self is, is this flesh nature, this selfishness, and so we don't want it to have any activity in our life. Jesus give, gives us an example to follow in the way when we, we discuss this a lot in our teaching on humility. In his example, for instance, Philippians chapter 2, he did not think about himself, did he? Philippians chapter 2, let's read verses 5 through 8 in this chapter uh, and, and remind ourselves of his selflessness. Philippians 2, 5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Could you show me the amplified there of verse 5? Hallelujah. Because it amplifies this and gives us a really important clue let this same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let him be your example in humility. So humility, there's nothing selfish in humility. There's no uh, dominating of self. There's no self-activity uh, or or dominating the situation with what I want in humility. In humility, we found out in our study that humility is an entire dependence upon God. Everything I have came from him. He is my source. It is he who has made me and not me myself. So because he created me, I depend on him. I look to him and I will obey him. Amen. So Jesus is our model. He leaves the uh, self-life completely out of every decision that he made. And that's why when Peter said to him, oh, no, 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 not you. You're not going to go to the cross. You're not going to have to suffer that. Pity yourself. In Matthew, uh, when he was uh, one minute being used with great revelation and the next minute he's saying, no, pity yourself. And Jesus whirled on him and he said, get thee behind me, Satan, because you do not uh, um, put the things of God first, right? What he was thinking was think about yourself. And Jesus was so adverse to that. He was so against that and, and identified where that thought came from. Where did that think about yourself thought come from? Satan. Peter was yielding to an idea that didn't come from God. It came from the enemy. And he's voicing it. And Jesus, it was such, it was a temptation to him. It was something that he had to deal with in the garden in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was under the pressure of not my will, what was he having to say? Not what I want, not what would benefit me, not what would feel better to me in this situation. I'm moving myself out of the way, and I am completely yielding my life to your will. Not my will, but your will be done. And that was the uh, intent of the enemy in the words of Peter, 
to get Jesus to think about himself and it would be impossible for us to have the redemption we have if Jesus had thought about himself. For us to have the life in Christ that we have, Jesus had to take himself completely out of the picture and keep you on his mind and me. Praise God. So uh, continuing in Philippians 2 verse 6, it says, Jesus being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient. He, so do you see humility and obedience, the connection here? He humbled himself, and in humbling himself, what did he become? Obedient. So if he would have been prideful, he would have been disobedient. If he would have thought about himself, he would have disobeyed the plan. But he didn't. He humbled himself, submitting himself to the plan of God, submitting himself to the will of God, and in doing so, it was obedience. Now, when we recognize this importance of obedience uh, and disobedience in our everyday life, we'll find out a key to walking in the Spirit. Go with me to Romans chapter 6 and let's look at verses 5 and 6. Romans 6, 5 says, If we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, how, what, what is the likeness of his death? Well, he became obedient unto death. Right? So there, there was obedience to the plan of God in, in, encapsulated in the ingredient of his humility is in his death, his obedience is in his death. We have been planted together in the likeness of his death, which is baptism. We shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man, the flesh, that, that before, the, the, before Christ you, our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin... Or you could say, so that the body of sin might be destroyed, that from this moment on, from henceforth, we should not serve sin. Sin is selfish. Sin is all about that person. Sin is selfish. And, and the, the end result of that sin is destruction. Amen? So we have been redeemed. We've been in that redemption, buried together with Christ and raised up together with Christ. So obedience is available to us. His obedience. You don't have to be perfect in yourself when you learn to depend on him. When you learn to say, Lord, you perfectly pleased the Father. You perfectly obeyed the Father. Help me. 
obey the Father. Help me let the life in you be lived in me so that I will stay on track with your plan, so that I will keep myself focused on your will, so that I will humble myself and be obedient to the plan of God in my life, the plan of God in my finances, my marriage, my health, your plan in my life. Let me do my part to keep your plan in place in my life. Amen? When you begin to trust in him for that help, then it's what the Apostle Paul said in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. He said, it's not I that live. It's Christ that's living in me. That's the life we want. We want the life of the anointed one and his anointing in our steps, in our decisions, in our actions, in our emotions, everything dominated by his anointing living in us. So we're not supposed to do it on our own. He's the vine. We're just branches. Be a branch. Just be a branch and let the vine give you the power. Let the vine give you the wisdom. Let the vine, Jesus Christ, give you the ability to walk obedient to the plan of God for your life. This obedience is something that we need to be... um, giving an emphasis to in our life because many of us could identify that we have been raised in rebellion. We've been raised, I mean, we grew up with all the images from the 60s of the rebellion going on and the hippie movement and the flower children and and all whatever kind of, of different rebellion we've seen since that time. It's been Uh, propagated as cool to be rebellious. It's been identified as you're the tough guy who rebels against all the rules. We don't want that to be our image. We don't want that to be our attitude. We want obedience to be the cool thing. We want obedience to be the desired, uh, the, the emphasis, the thing that we're reaching for. And so we've got to renew our mind. And one way that we're going to do that is to let the Bible show us how important our obedience is to God. So let's go back to Genesis. Because the principle of obedience shapes the whole history of man and marks the future of mankind. Genesis chapter 2. Let's look at verse 16. I just want one phrase from this verse. But uh, it is an important phrase. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 16 says, And the Lord commanded the man saying, The Lord commanded the man saying, So this will never change. There are commands that God gives because he's God. He's qualified to give them. We need to look at his commands as things we embrace. Because too many times people look at the commands of God as restrictions. And they say, this is what God won't let me do. And this is what God won't let me have. And this is God trying to keep me from enjoying my life. And this is what God said that's keeping me from from being all that I could be. Never has a command from God been to limit us. 
Never has a command from God been to restrict us. His purpose in the command is to protect us. His purpose in the command is to give us an opportunity for obedience because whenever we obey God, he recompenses that obedience with a reward. You must know that God is and that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. How do I seek him? I seek to obey him. I seek to be a doer of his word. I seek to be acting on the things that he's instructed me. So the commands of God are not restrictions or limits or things that are negative in any way. Every command of God is beautiful. Every command of God is for our good. When people look at the Ten Commandments, it reminds me of when my children were teenagers and they thought my rules when they got to drive the car, my rules were meant to embarrass them. My rules were to hinder their social life. No, my rules were to protect them. There's a reason that you can have a limit on how many people you fit in this car. Because we should not pull, it, pull up at the driveway and have 20 people climb out of this six-seat car. Right? There's a rule about what time you need to be home because nothing good is going on at 2 o'clock in the morning for my 16-year-old. Amen? Nothing productive is going on at 2 o'clock in the morning. So I want you home at midnight. Mom, midnight? Yeah, midnight. You're 16. What do you need to be doing out after midnight? Right? It wasn't because I was trying to hinder their life. I was trying to set up boundaries that would protect them. Amen? And God's commands are always for our good. But notice in chapter 3, verse 11, how the enemy took Adam's and Eve's perception and twisted the perception. What is he aiming at? In his very first accusation, he says in Genesis 3, 11, uh, or Genesis chapter 3, the enemy says uh, to Eve, he said in verse 1, did God say, you shall not eat? In other words, did God give you that command? Did he say that? It was a command. It wasn't an option. It wasn't, a, a, an, it wasn't something that was, you know, take it or leave it. God commanded the man saying. It was a command. And did God say? Did God really tell you that? And then it was, that's not true. You shall not surely die. You shall not surely die. And then what? And then he says, God's just trying to keep you from something. He's trying to hold back his good stuff from you. With his command, the whole, all three of those are really aimed at the command God had given because he knew if I can get them off the command, if I can get them going sideways against contrary to that command, I can move them out of the plan. If I get them off the word, I can get them over into a place where I can attack their lives and they won't have the blessing if they break the command. They won't have the protection if they're not doers of the word. So he's out 
to move them off of the obedience, their participation with the command of God. So obedience was the one condition required to live in the Garden of Eden. Just obey God. Just obey God. It was the only thing God had asked of Adam and Eve. The only command he had given them was don't eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it was their disobedience to that one command that disqualified them from the garden and the benefits of the garden and the eternal life that was once dwelling in their hearts. Now, we see it in Genesis, right? From the very beginning, it's what changed man's interaction with God. Go to Revelation chapter 22. I want you to see it begins with obedience, it ends with obedience. Genesis, or I'm sorry, Revelation 22 and verse 14. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. So obedience is not going to be something that God does away with. Obedience is not just for this time. Obedience is something that we're going to be participating in. So let's go ahead and practice. <laughs> let's practice obedience now so that through the ages, we'll just continue to gain skill and gain skill and gain skill because obedience is still something that is a requirement even when this age, this time that we're living in is over. Amen? Blessed are they that do his commandments that they may have right, the right to the tree of life. Amen? And an entrance into the city. So from paradise lost to paradise regained, it's obedience that gives access to the tree of life and the favor of God. Hallelujah. Now, our redemption is rooted in obedience. Now, again, there's that connection between humility and obedience because as we looked at in our other study, our redemption is rooted in humility. Well, there's another root, and it's called obedience. So let's look at Romans 5 and verse 19. Romans 5, this is renewing our mind about obedience. Obedience is the yes. It is the the emphasis for us, amen? Romans 5 and verse 19, it says, for by one man's disobedience, we read about his disobedience, didn't we? By one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Or you could say everybody was, because we were all born in sin, right? Everybody, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made. You don't have to do anything to become righteous in your own actions. Just receive what he did. Through his obedience, we all have access to the righteousness of God in him. 
through his obedience. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Hallelujah. Jesus, he humbled himself. We read in Philippians 2 verse 8, he humbled himself and became obedient, even obedient to the death of the cross. God didn't make Jesus die on the cross. He didn't make him go to the cross. He didn't make him come into the earth and be born as a man. Jesus said, a body you have prepared me. Here I am, O Lord. I come to do your will. Jesus willingly came into this earth, willingly set aside his omnipotence, set aside his omniscience, set aside his omnipresence and became a man so that he could qualify as our redeemer. He willingly took his life and sacrificed his life on the cross, willingly. God didn't make him do it. He did it by choice. Why? Because he wanted to obey the Father's plan. He wanted to obey the will of the Father more than he wanted to please himself. Hebrews chapter 5. These scriptures help us see what was in his heart concerning the steps he had to take to redeem us. Hebrews 5, 8. Though he were a son, the son of God, Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered, by the things he had to endure, the things he had to go through to fulfill the plan of God. He learned obedience. Jesus learned obedience. How much more do we need to practice obedience? If Jesus had to learn it, I think he could teach us. He could teach us obedience. He, he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that... That's us. That's our part. Not to all, it didn't just say all who accept him because there are some who accept him and he said, you call me Lord, Lord, but you won't do. You won't obey me. You won't do what I say. And he was saying, why do you call me Lord if you won't obey what I say? That obedience is a, a uh, evidence that he's Lord. If I'm not being a doer of the word, if I'm not acting on his command, if I am not submitting myself to forgive when I don't want to forgive. <laughs> you know, what part of you doesn't want to forgive? Is that your spirit, man? Is that your strong spirit, born of God spirit, saying, I'm not letting that person go for what they did? Is that your spirit? No, no, no. That's the flesh. The flesh wants to hold that unforgiveness, not your born-again spirit. Your born-again spirit is quick to forgive. Like, get that out of here. That unforgiveness is poison. I don't want it in me. It's rancid. It will destroy the work of God in me. So I'm willing to let it go. What holds on is the flesh. What holds on is that self-preservation. I'm not going to let them talk to me that way. 
I is the key. <laughs> I'm not going to let them talk to me. Jesus said, turn the other cheek, right? Oh, no, you don't, right? That's not spiritual. That's not spiritual. To the hand, that's not spiritual either. Y'all remember that one? Talk to the hand because the face ain't listening, right? That's not spiritual either. We want to practice obedience. Right? And to do that, we're going to have to take me, 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 my, 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 I, I, I out of the way. Set it in that crucified place, buried. That's the old man. He stays under. The new me in Christ is the life I want to live. So he learned obedience and he becomes the author of salvation to those who obey him. Jesus said, if you love me, that's a, a mind renewal. Jesus, according to scripture, he says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. He says, true love is obedience. <laughs> you say, oh, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. He said, mm, you don't look, you're not, your actions, your disobedience is saying another story. I love you, Lord. Jesus said, if you love me, True love obeys. True love keeps my commandments. That's what we're renewing our mind to. Now, let's look at going back to Genesis. Let's look at Genesis chapter 6. We're going to look at Noah. We saw how Adam and Eve disobeyed God. And then um, in Genesis chapter 6, we're going to look at Noah's example. Genesis 6, let's look at verse 22. I'm just going to hit some high points here because in this time I've got to, we've got this hour of power. We don't want pastor to call and I'm still in the pulpit. And he's like, honey, it's Wednesday. Hour of power, let these people go home. Right? We want them to come back. Genesis 6, 22, thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Chapter 7, verse 5. And Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him. Chapter, same chapter, verse 9. There went in two and two unto Noah into the ark, the male and the female, as God had commanded Noah. Verse 16. And they went in, they went in male and female of all flesh as God had commanded him. And the Lord shut him in. Hallelujah. God trusts his work to those who will command, follow his commands. If we'll keep his commandments, he can trust us with his work. Now we know why he could trust Noah because Noah did just what God commanded. Amen. Abraham is another example. In Hebrews 11 verse 8, it tells us that Abraham obeyed. Hebrews 11 and verse 8. And then we're going to back up to Genesis. I just want to see verse 8 out of Hebrews 11. And then we're going to go to Genesis. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, he obeyed. And he, by how did he obey? By faith. 
By faith he obeyed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He obeyed and he went out not knowing where he went. So even without all of the details, he obeyed God. Without all of the big picture and all of the full disclosure, he still obeyed God by faith. And there will be situations in your life that you won't know how it's going to work out, but you know you've got the word of God and you've got an instruction, so just obey God. Just obey God. Obey God. If God tells you to forgive, forgive. If God, and he does every time. He's never going to say, okay, you don't have to forgive this time, Michelle. You're exempt from it today. No. (laughs) If anybody does anything against you, drop it, leave it, let it go, Mark 11 says, right? So we want to obey. That's our part. He said he is the author of eternal salvation for all who obey him. So we want to be those obedient to him. Now go back to Genesis 22 and when he's referring to this in Hebrews 11, he's referring to this part of his story where he has just carried Isaac up the mountain to offer Isaac as God instructed him. And he is about to offer him to God. Let's read verses 16 through 18. When he's about to offer his son, the angel of the Lord stops him and this is what God said. Verse 16 of Genesis 22, and said, by myself have I sworn, says the Lord, for because you have done this thing and you have not withheld your son, your only son, that in blessing I will bless you and in multiplying I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore and your seed shall possess the gate of his enemies and in your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Because you have obeyed my voice. Hallelujah. If you compare this phrase in other translations, it is very often translated, you have listened and yielded to my voice. You have listened to and yielded to my voice. The command of God is the leading of the Lord. The command of God is the instruction for our good. And whenever we act on his command and be a doer of that command, we will receive God's very best in our life. God only wants good for us. He only wants the best for us. And often our obedience is the only thing standing in the way. Why do people withhold that obedience? Sometimes it's because they don't trust that what God's going to do for them is better than what they could do for themselves. Sometimes it's because of fear. Sometimes it's because of, of, uh, you know, that uncertainty. Whatever the case may be, those things cause people to withhold their obedience and then they think God let them down. It was the disobedience. It was the lack of that obedience in in. Put into play progress, activating that obedience activates the best that God has for you. God said all of this blessing is 
coming on you because you have obeyed. Because you have obeyed. Hallelujah. He says the same thing to Isaac in chapter 26. Chapter 26, God also gives an instruction to Isaac. You know, Isaac was in a place where famine was rampant and he was thinking about leaving that place and going down to Egypt, but God told him not to go. And he says in verse 3 of chapter 26, stay or sojourn in this land and I will be with you and I will bless you. And then he says this in verse 5, because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws, that's why you are qualified for the blessing. Because Abraham obeyed, because we're obeying God, our children are qualified for the blessing. Amen? Amen. Because of our obedience, other generations are being affected. Our children, our grandchildren are, are open to the things of God. They have access to the same blessing that we're walking in. Because we're obeying God, we are seeing him dealing with our family. Amen? So he said, this obedience is carried on. And then Isaac had to follow this instruction of God to stay in this land, even though it looked like it, there was no harvest to be had, there was no future to be had. He obeyed the commandment of God and stayed there. And he's, God gave him a hundredfold on the seed that he sowed and he became a recipient of that same blessing. Hallelujah. So when we see this interaction with man continue, we see God dealing with his people. We know that the children of Israel multiplied and grew until they became a whole nation and Moses is leading them out of the bondage that they had fallen into in Egypt and uh, he begins his interaction with these freed people with giving them this instruction of obedience. Exodus 19. Exodus 19. God is, is establishing what he will do for this people. He's brought them out and they're about to uh, enter in to God's plan. And chapter 19 and verse 5, he says, Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you will be a peculiar treasure, a special treasure, you could say, unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. How? If you will obey my voice. If you will obey my voice. The message translation says, if you will listen obediently to what I say. If you'll keep my commandments, right? If you'll listen obediently to what I say and keep my covenant, out of all people you will be my special treasure. <coughs> Hallelujah. 
So to be a people of obedience is God's plan for us. You know, when we talk about the will of God, the glory, the will of God is the glory of God. The goodness of God is the glory of God. In Exodus chapter 38, let's read verse 22. 38, 22. God is preparing, uh, he is having them to prepare the temple in the wilderness, the tabernacle in the wilderness. And uh, he is uh, giving them specific ways of how things need to be prepared, how the different instruments of worship are supposed to be done, how the entire tabernacle is supposed to be put together. And it says, Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, he made all that the Lord commanded Moses. Well, he, you can see a phrase like that throughout all of this instruction where it begins to talk about uh, the things that the, they, they made for the tabernacle. It was as the Lord commanded Moses, all of these specific things. For example, chapter 39 and verse 1. Of the blue and purple and scarlet, they made cloths of service to do service in the holy place and made the holy garments for Aaron as the Lord commanded Moses. Same chapter, verse 42. According to all that the Lord commanded Moses... So the children of Israel made all the work. Notice, God didn't go to Bezalel. He commanded Moses. Moses, the pastor, gave out the details of what God said. This is what the Lord said. This is what the Lord commanded us. This is the vision God gave us. God didn't go to Bezalel and say, I'm going to tell you what your part needs to look like. He didn't go to the different ones who were creating these uh, uh, blue and the cloths of service to prepare the garments for Aaron. He gave Moses the patterns. He gave Moses the detail. He commanded Moses, and then all the people in the church got with the pastor to find out what's the vision, and we're going to all do our part. In, in this 39, uh, chapter 39, verse 43, and Moses did look upon all the work. Notice the pastor. Pastor's overseeing. Pastor's walking through the departments. He's, uh, what does he call it? Um, uh, management by walking around. <laughs> That's what, if, if you see him, he's not being nosy. He's just doing his job. If, if anybody's going to get called on the carpet for something done wrong in a department, it's the pastor. <laughs> pastor's going to have to give an account. So Moses did look upon all the work and behold they had done it as the Lord commanded and even so had they done it and Moses blessed them so if pastor says that's not the way I want it done I want you to do it this way don't take it personal he's just telling you what the Lord showed him he's just giving you the 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 dialogue that he received and so this is an important part. And then uh, in chapter 40 and verse 34. Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation 
and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation because the cloud abode thereon and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. The obedience is connected to the glory of God in the house. When we will be obedient to do what God has commanded in our personal lives, His glory can fill our personal lives. When we're obedient to do what God has commanded in the local church family, His glory can fill the house. And that's what we want. We want the glory of the Lord in manifestation in our lives and it won't come with our doing it our own way or being selfish. It comes by our obedience to the plan of God. Amen? Hallelujah. I have more, but I'm out of time. Glory to God. I could say, if it, can I have five more minutes? Who would give me five more minutes? Five, 10, 15, 20... <laughs> Hallelujah. You could take it, huh? Okay. I'm, I'm just going to hit the high points through here. The, the most important thing for us to see is the glory is connected to our obedience. The glory of God. That's the recompense that God wants to do, the reward. When we obey God, we always are rewarded for our obedience. Always, always, always. Hallelujah. Leviticus 8 and 9 also give instructions about the Lord, uh, about the instruction to as the Lord commanded Moses. Leviticus uh, 8, chapter 8, verse 3. Moses did as the Lord commanded him. Verse 9, I'm just going to hit these fast. Verse 9, the end part of that verse, as the Lord commanded Moses. Verse 13, the, as the Lord commanded Moses at the end of that verse. Verse 17 at the end. As the Lord commanded. It's not in here because they're, they're trying to get a certain word count. They just, no, it's here to give us the specific emphasis. This all happened the way it happened because God gave a specific instruction. Verse 21 ends with that same phrase. As the Lord commanded Moses. Verse 29 ends with the same phrase, as the Lord commanded Moses. Verse 34, as he has done this day, so the Lord has commanded to do. Verse 36, so Aaron and his sons did all things which the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses. Chapter 9, verse 6, this is the thing which the Lord commanded that you should do, and the glory of the Lord shall appear unto you. Again, a connection to my obedience to the command and the, the manifestation of God's glory. Verse 7, as the Lord commanded is the ending of that verse. Verse 10 ends with the phrase, as the Lord commanded. Verse 21 ends with the phrase, as the Lord commanded. 
And then verse 23 and 24 show us another recompense, a reward. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of the congregation and came out and blessed the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the people. And there came a fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat, which when the people saw, they shouted and fell on their faces. We have two examples of... A complete obedience followed by full glory. A filling of the glory. And God hasn't changed. He still responds to our obedience with manifestations of His goodness. His goodness in our life is a recompense for our obedience. Hallelujah. In the book of Deuteronomy, the word obey is used more frequently than in any other book of the Bible. And when we look at, for instance, Deuteronomy 11, we will see, uh, again, the recompense, which is the title of this message, the blessing if you obey, if you obey. Deuteronomy 11:26 says, Behold... I set before you this day a blessing and a curse, a blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day. Hallelujah. Because this from Genesis to Revelation is the opportunity for us to enter into God's best. He gives us a command. He gives us commands. He gives us specific instructions so that as we follow them, we qualify for the blessing. Hallelujah. The blessing if you obey. Many of us have already heard the story of King Saul who did not fulfill the plan of God for his life. And out of his uh, story, we see... Uh, his disobedience. When God gave a specific command in 1 Samuel chapter uh, 10, he was commanded to wait on Samuel. That was the first area of his disobedience. And he did not wait on Samuel. In, sir, in 1 Samuel 13, he went ahead and made the sacrifice he was not qualified to make. And when he was confronted, what Samuel said to him was, you have not kept the commandment of the Lord. What disqualified him from the position God had placed him in wasn't God. It wasn't God's purpose for him to fail. It was his disobedience to the command of the Lord. You have not kept the command of the Lord. And so one of the most familiar verses we have from that story is that when Samuel said, obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. He sacrificed, but there was no joy in God's heart through that sacrifice. There was no, no pleased a response from God because he did it in disobedience. And so God would rather have our obedience than anything else. Obedience is better 
Obedience is better. Say that out of your own mouth. Obedience is better. In other words, we can't make it up by just increasing our offering. We can't just make it up, well, I'll get it next time. No, God, you want my obedience. That's what you really want. You want that more than, than me trying to make it up on the back end some other way, by doing something great or by, by going the extra mile here. No, you'd rather have my obedience in the first place. And that's what we want to recognize. So obey God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's end in Jeremiah chapter 7. Look, I only took one of your five minutes. I didn't take, I didn't take four or five, just one. Jeremiah 7, verse 23. Hallelujah. But this thing commanded I them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people. And walk ye in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well unto you. That is the master key to our lives. Obey God. Obey, God. Obey my voice. What a privilege. He says, I will be your God. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> What an honor, what a privilege that you would be our God and all you ask of us is that we be your obedient children. Hallelujah. Are you ready to practice obedience? Yes. Hallelujah. We've just touched on it. We'll come back and do some more on obedience. But I think it's important for us to see that panoramic picture. Stand with me to your feet. Hallelujah. I look forward to being with you Sunday morning, Sunday night. We're going to be preparing our vision for this year. We're going to go into this year. We're aimed at the target. We're not just going to randomly meander through 2023. We're going to be launched by the Holy Spirit into 2023 with our faith GPS coordinates already, already entered in, and we're going to hit the mark that God has for our lives. Amen. Hallelujah. Say this with me. The vision of our church will always be to build people's faith and frame their world by the word of God. You and I will always be world changers. God bless you. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this message. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request or want to share how this message has helped you, send us an email at main at buildfaith.net. This message and many more materials are available to you free of charge, can be found at buildfaith.net or at any of our location media stores. As always, keep the switch of faith turned on and build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God.